Genre. To Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the movie Spider-Man one responsible minute at a time. I'm Zach Luna. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Naomi. Yeah, Naomi. Yeah. Welcome back, Naomi. Oh, thank you. I thank you. Uh, today, today we're talking about minute 14, um, mm-hmm. which uh, begins with, uh, let's see, Uncle Ben talking about the job, job opportunities and ends with uh, Peter Parker going upstairs after having a bite. Um, mm-hmm. To go to go back to uh, what we were talking about yesterday with um, this little introductory sequence with Aunt May and Uncle Ben, um, mm-hmm. this this um, particular moment where we have the the movement to get the bowls and to pick up, you know, uh, 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 the, the newspaper transitioning outward into the main sort of dining room area to have the discussion about the um, the actual economic situation that they found themselves in because of uh, Ben being laid off. This is the most theatrical scene in the movie, I feel. And I don't mean that in like the, the common like, you know, way it's often used as like, oh, this is big and showy. I just mean like this feels lived in like we're we're peeking through the proscenium and we're watching a little bit of a a, a domestic play um mm-hmm. about about um may and ben and i i love how long the takes are here they they yeah. just let it play out yeah well it it, it seems like hmm. um sam because this is the first thing that they shot this is day one yeah um of the of the production and it seems like sam has you know these two old school actors and uh which i'm sure you're going to talk about uh rosemary, rosemary now, harris yeah yeah today yeah. Uh-huh. um but uh he has these two old school actors and i just feel like he wanted to make them comfortable in this like wacky big budget superhero movie that they have found themselves in. <laughs> yeah. And so he sort of sets this up. It feels like a movie from the sixties. Yeah. You know, yeah. it feels like a movie, you know, like early to mid sixties before Hitchcock sort of changed everything and yeah. things started going, moving toward um, that, more like experimental filmmaking style. Right. Right. This is more uh, presentational. Right. That the second generation filmmakers started doing in like the late sixties and into the seventies, which was like our most experimental time in filmmaking, uh, which obviously Sam Raimi is a big part of that of the third generation starting in the eighties where he's like, you know, creating shots by putting cameras on sticks and shoving them through cars and stuff. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I mean, he was doing stuff that no one had ever seen before, uh, yeah. Sam Raimi. 
And so it's interesting to me that he chose to shoot this in the opposite way, which is when we used to make movies that just look like multi-cam plays to right. a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. And, that this, and that's sort of what this feels like. Yeah, because this is all shot on a soundstage, you know, that they they had they built the house out, um, you know, well in advance and they had time to play around in there and figure things out. And that is just a controlled environment. We're not mm -hmm. out on location where things can go crazy. Our only focus here is the scene and the characters interacting with each other. This is right. like as simple as you can go. Great way to start, you know, your first day of production. Um, and... I, I think it works like gangbusters. I, I really I really love how um warm it is, you know, not just in like the um production design, you know, in the and the decisions about lighting and things like that, but that it just it's a home where we're having some some struggles and we immediately care about these people. I, I do mm -hmm. at least. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about everybody, but I I watch this this bit here and I, I just feel like this is not maybe my family, but like a family member or, you know, somebody that, uh, I I've met these people in some way and I, I hope things go well for them. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's the, there's that sort of quiet dignity there that they're, they're both great with. Um, well, and it's, and it's great too, to have these two actors playing these roles because it sort of, brings you back to the time period that the comics were written in. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it brings you back mm. to the early 60s um, in a way that makes these films feel more iconic than, you know, the amazing Spider-Man movies are. Right, right. As a result. This is an, um, an older approach, uh, an older mm -hmm. time, you know. Mm -hmm. um, they have and some... It, feel, it, yeah. it just feels more in tune with like the tone of the comics then uh, whereas like amazing spider-man is trying to sort of like batman begins the concept of spider-man right <laughs> yeah you know like, i mean that's that's the best that's the best way i can i can think of to describe it but yeah. you know what i mean right yeah so. yeah exactly that like oh we got to deconstruct this and then like go back to you know how could you become right. that person type of thing which is not a you know a, a bad approach to any story no, in general but no. i think and it's, and it's a great here, approach it's a great approach as a as you know in opposition to this approach like right, if you're right. going to to reboot it like, make yeah it that's different. that's a yeah, good way to way reboot to it is by yeah. finding a new tone and and sort of grounding it and taking a look at it from that perspective yeah so but this is as much as you can be the like a, a classic uh approach to a superhero origin you know it is mm -hmm. just here's what's happening we we're only you know 15 minutes into this movie basically and we've already we, we're already got our big superpower having incident under the way and we're we're already like gearing up to to become something different it's not um we're not spending time wondering about what the concept of a superhero is or what it means mm -hmm. to be we're just we're just flying you know we're 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 going into into cruise mode i, I am amazed at how fast things get going in this movie um so that we have time when we're if, like our plot machinations and things like that that we can speed through them and get them going so that we have time for these quiet moments. You know, right. we have a, a moment like this is worth spending time and time on, not just in terms of on the day on the set when they, they wanted to take their time and get everybody comfortable, but it's worth spending time in the final edit 
on this moment of domesticity that mm -hmm. we have we have to have established in order for it to be broken later or in order for you know things to have their proper repercussions later um right i have a, I have a question yeah. about ben because he's yeah. he's got those 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 big keys and he's got the pocket protector was he laid off today i don't know i i don't is know. this like is this like a work vest and those are yeah. like his work keys and that's like just what he wears you know like he got yeah Oh man, that's a bummer. I didn't even think of that until this moment. But like, yeah, why would he have? Because either because either he was laid him? off today, or he wears his work stuff every day. Yeah, that that makes me a little too sad. Like, I don't think I can handle that. <laughs> um, like he's just like, waiting for habit. them to, yeah, yeah, or them, to, or he's just hoping that they're gonna call and be like, "We need you," and he's like, "I'm already ready." <laughs> I'll be on the train in two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, type of thing. Um, no, it's it's a very unique style he's got going with the, <laughs> the keys. Yeah. Uh, oh, he's got his keys. Yeah. And uh, interesting wall decorations, too, I guess. Um, yeah. Well, I just that? don't get what would you. Why are they? Why is there a fork and a spoon? There's a giant fork and a spoon on the wall oh there. my 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 grandma had those that's a I, that's a weird baby boomer decoration like what they're they, not they, for anything they're just like this is where we eat see <laughs> there's a fork and a spoon on the wall that's how you know i don't like it this is our no, dining room it's yeah. super weird but it is definitely a thing I'm i think it's supposed that. to be like some sort of semi-ironic decoration like it's like oh some people put so mount swords on the wall but this is the kitchen so spoon and a fork get it yeah i, I don't and that i don't know because well, i do just... i i see a bunch that are laid out like that where yeah. they're perpendicular but i also see a lot where they're crossed like swords <laughs> but they're like a fork and a spoon in case like you need them you know like that they're yeah. they're they're accessible uh right in your if somebody's coming for the Commodore's daughter and you need to like, you know, have a, a moment with the uh, the rising music Hans Zimmer score where you can just grab at it, pull it off the wall and then defend your keep. Yeah, they're they're there for that. Um, also, also oh. I feel like that wallpaper would drive me nuts. <laughs> this is like foliage everywhere. This uh... I just there's so much. Mm -hmm. I, and then I can't quite decide in the jug. Is there stuff inside the jug or is there a design on the jug? You know, it's just there's a, a design. There's a design on the jug, but it is filled with water. Yeah, I mean the water's fine with that. I just wasn't sure. You know, when you're not sure if those people have put like mint leaves <laughs> or something in it, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. No, I think it's just an ugly jug. Yeah, um, okay, cool. Yeah, this all feels like my great grandmother's house. Like everything yes. in here, yeah, totally. feels like my great grandmother's what? house. Like, like she candles. had. She had mugs like this. Mm -hmm. She had the spoon and fork on the wall. She had like the pitcher with the ugly designs on it. She had, like and tall these... candles and you know. Yeah, and the yeah. weird beige with a design dishware, like all like all of that stuff is like straight up my great grandmother Vera from who lived in Queens. So oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So this this all this all checks out. This so wait, Scott, out. when you were growing up, did you go and visit Queens regularly? Like as part no, of your by the time years? by the time I was born, all mm -hmm. my uh, all my grandparents had moved to Florida. They'd all retired oh, to Florida. Yeah, um, yeah. Florida and or Texas. Got it. Uh, and then eventually everyone was in Florida. But 
That makes sense. Uh, no. So I, I saw pictures of their lives in, in Queens and Canarsie, but yeah. um, not uh, – uh, never never visited in person, no. Gotcha. Yeah. I just thought that would have been cool. Uh, yeah, yeah you, it would have been. Thanks for know, rubbing it in. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> just trying to find connections Thanks wherever for pointing I can out find my, ina- my inadequacies. Wherever Zach. I can find potential connections uh, that aren't there, <laughs> that's uh, that's my main goal on the podcast is to find those. Um. <laughs> Speaking and of, exploit them and exploit them for, I don't know, psychological warfare. Uh, <laughs> Rosemary Harris is great. Uh, she's in this. Uh, yeah. Tell us about pres- Rosemary Harris. So um, she is um, like like Cliff uh, Robertson. She's an actor who's been around for forever and a day. But um, she is much more of a, a classic stage actress. I mean, she has been in. Mm-hmm. several films you know she had an oscar nom here and there but she's most known for performing on broadway <laughs> you know here yeah. and there like here every there. actor yeah, like every actor you know like if you've been like a uh <laughs> an established broadway star and then they bring you on one or two things and that you get like a nomination for something but like for the yeah. most part like her major credits are all big stuff on broadway or stuff at the old vic in uh in london and the national theater of great britain in london and um uh the assembly like she is like a classic old stage actress and um where is she from uh she is from america but she just really she, okay. yeah as far as i know um but her she, her accent is a bit transatlantic like, yeah it's yeah it's weird it's a weird like it sometimes she sounds like almost swedish like <laughs> yeah it's like, a weird accent that um, as the movies go along, actually yeah. gets more and more pronounced. Gets, gets more I pronounced. Like. I I did I, I I messed up my my notes here for for Cliff Robertson and uh, uh Rosemary Harris. There, she is from England. He's from America. Oh, um, oh, she yeah. is English. She is okay, English. yeah. Um, okay. So, but she she made like a Broadway debut in like 1952, and she worked steadily in New York for like the bulk of her her career. And you know, she was awarded. She was like uh, she had nominees for. Uh, she was nominated for Tony's like nine times and she, you know, has an enemy and all that. Like she was just this like figure in, um, in, in Broadway, um, from the fifties through to the nineties, basically, um, where she was just this, this huge influence. And like, I don't know what the initial connection was that, that brought, you know, Sam Raimi to her or, or put her above other, um, other actresses in the running, but apparently, apparently as soon as she auditioned, they were like, yeah, that's, that's Aunt May. Like you can't, you can't mess with it. Uh, after that point, yeah. um, she, she has that, uh, that skilled, you know, quiet, uh, dignity about her. Um, it's just, it's just wonderful. Um, but it, it's interesting because I, I think, you know, uh, not to bring up too much of the sequels, but uh-huh. I think that in general, yeah. Aunt May seems to have in each movie, she has one really great scene and then the rest of the movie she gets she gets stuck with the most no. difficult dialogue. Right. Um right. of like where like this doesn't sound natural, it's really cheesy. Yeah. Like in not a fun way, like I this like this scene is her best scene I think in this movie. Yes. Um, and then like in this, in the second one, it's the toaster scene at the bank and yeah. Um, well, uh, I would, I would say that her best scene in that, I mean, the toaster scene's great, but probably, well, it's not too much. Talk too much about Spider-Man too. Never mind. Continue yeah. your point that you're making. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, my, my point is like, I, I think that, 
it's tough with her because I can't ever like I feel fond about her because she's part of these movies. But like yeah. there's something about her Aunt May that I can't figure out if it's her or if or it's the, the script, the writing, yeah, the writing of yeah. her that yeah. I'm not super into there. There's something missing with her character. Mm-hmm. I think that I can't quite put my finger on and that they've never gotten right because Sally field doesn't have it either. Right. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, Marissa Tomei is might as well not be playing at me. We haven't seen anything. <laughs> yeah. Really from her. Uh, yeah. I think it, it ha- might have something to do with like the reactive nature of the character in general, especially in mm-hmm. this, uh, not inaugural what am i saying origin uh version of the story that like if if things are gonna skew so heavily towards old uh uh, uncle ben as you know the person interacting with peter at the beginning as much as they can because we got to get in enough time with the uncle ben before whatever happens happens for it to to resonate that you're going to be sidelined and reactive to a certain degree uh Uh regardless and i i almost think it's like I almost think it's like she doesn't have enough goals of her own to for us to really like dig into her as a as a, as a character. If that makes sense, um, do yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I think that's I think that's part of the mistake. Yeah, um, yeah. I think they give her the most to do in Spider Man Two. Yes. Uh, with all the financial troubles that she's having. Right. Um. But in general, yeah, like it's. They don't give her a lot to do and and they write her um, in a way I, – I mean I hate to say this, but like they write her – I think they write mm. her dialogue so poorly yeah. that it actually – in order to get everyone else to match, it yeah. feels like everyone who talks to her is condescending. <laughs> yeah. Like talking mm. down to her. Right, um, right. In right. every scene that she's in except for this scene. Yeah. Where these where she is almost like a completely different character. She's in, in her scene. element in this scene, not just right. as a as a character, but also as an actor like that. She is, you know, flowing from moment to moment, you know, uh, picking up one thread and moving it to another and being reassuring and kind and lovely. Like she is a full person here. Um, yeah. I can see if you're almost going for like, I, I wouldn't give this much credit to the thing, but if you're like after such a huge loss that you're not fully yourself after, like I can see like justifying things along that way to a certain degree, but it's almost like she's, she doesn't have a full emotional, like, uh, uh, psychology in, in, in other scenes in the movies, you know, like, yeah, not just knowing like how someone presents themselves and you know, what, what their, uh, their impulses are, but like what will make them better? You know, what are they looking for? What's their, their, uh, their goal? Like how does their logical capacity like uh, manifest? Like how does their artistic capacity, like, uh, you know, what's their, their spirituality, like a very little of that comes across in any other scene. Uh, mm-hmm. so we, we kind of like are left with, we get this moment here and then maybe we get some hospital time and that's Aunt May. So yeah. to, 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 to do, I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't lay it at, at Rosemary Harris's feet because I think she's doing the best she can in those circumstances. Mm-hmm. I just, th- I just think that like this, the structure we're dealing with isn't going to do Aunt May any favors regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. What do you think, Naomi? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> you um, like her though? Like I like her. <laughs> oh yeah. I like, I like her. It's great. I'm like, mm-hmm. and her career goals, um, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, she would have, yes. she would have ended if, if her career had started like 10 or 15 years later, she would be somebody's grandparent on a Berlantiverse show for sure. Oh, dude, hundred percent. <laughs> they just they love those Broadway stars on those shows. Yeah, <laughs> bring them back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we got them, and we got this, mm-hmm. you know, this this moment, and then we have. Peter coming right back into it. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. So, yeah. so before we get there, he's talking yeah. about the computers and there's one line that confuses yeah. me. So okay. there's this thing that I'm finding um, and it's happened a couple of times on, on back to the future minute. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, it's here again where there are certain lines of dialogue that feel like two completely separate lines that yeah. have nothing to do with each other, but they're spoken in such a way as if they're connected, but they don't <laughs> feel connected in any way. Right, right, right. For example, in this case, yeah, um, he's looking at the one ads, Ben is, and he yeah. says, well, what do we got here? They want uh, computer salesman, computer engineer, computer analyst. Uh, my God, even the computers need analysts these days. And then he says, I'm 68 years old, May. Too old for computers. And besides, I have a family to provide for. <laughs> yes. Besides. What? Like <laughs> those, those, those two things don't have anything to do with each other. <laughs> and then obviously this has nothing to do with Cliff Robertson. Cliff Robertson's right, no. selling the he line because I've it. never yeah. thought about it before. It's so, but, yeah, he's, he skates right past that one. But uh, those two weird. lines, like as a writer, that line makes me want to gouge my eyes out because I just like, like, yeah, like there were two separate conversations that they smashed together into this one. Like, uh, okay. Like how we got to condense this down. We got to condense this down. Just say them all at once. Yeah. And I looked in the script and like the, that is the line in the script. That's the line. And I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Um, Oh wait, no, actually I take that back. It's not the line. Ah, Detective oh work. man, we Detective might we might in real time. We might need to we might need to blame Cliff Robertson for this, because um, he says he adds the "I'm too old for computers." The line is actually computer analyst, computer designer, computer engineer, computer, and then he sighs and says, "I'm 68 damn years old. I have to provide for my family." And besides, I have to oh, okay. It, and is this is this from the that, the um? This is this is from the shooting the script. shooting script the shooting script. Okay, yeah, the so shooting the bur- script. Like saying, I'm 68 years old. I have to provide my for, for my family. In regards to like, I don't know anything about computers. Yeah, but I'm I'm 68 years old and I need to provide for my family. That makes more sense than what he says in the movie. Right. <laughs> the movie. It feels like two lines that have nothing to do with each other. Right. But it's it's not as though they didn't direct this thoroughly and workshop it. So that, you know, that right. change there was at least permissible in the eyes of Sam Raimi when they shot this. So yeah. I I have to. It it's might possible. Be, yeah. It's possible that he didn't have a screenwriter on set for this day. Yeah. Because yeah. usually, usually that's what happens is like when somebody wants to change a line, you consult the screenwriter on set who's like yeah. on the production and is like, yeah. hey, does that jive? And then they they check the work and they're like, yeah, it jives or no, let's try it this way instead or, or whatever. At, or at the very least, the script supervisor will like 
pipe up and be like, uh, Cliff, you actually said this, this, and this when it should have been this. You know, like that there will be somebody on continuity with right. regards to the script itself at that moment. Um, right. I, I, I mean, again, it's never bothered me before uh, watching this moment, and it's almost as if he wants to break it up into two two different things there. That like, okay, mm-hmm. the computer analyst is is one thing, and providing for my family is another. The the, the it's it's the and besides the besides is what yeah, the besides is what throws you. Yeah, it's that transition yeah. where there is no transition. If yeah. he would have just said. I'm 68 years old. I'm too old for computers, but I have to provide for my family or mm-hmm. I, but I have a family to provide for like that makes sense now. But yeah. the, and besides is not the correct transition that you want there. It might be, it, uh, it could be a flub that they just left in because it was the in. best performance. It was the best performance between the takes. take. Yeah. And it is, it is a very long take here. Right. We have her from her entering in and coming in and all the way to the, all the way to the moment where they lift up to see Peter come in. This is right. a long section here. So any one flub would quote unquote taint the entire take. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we're getting, and we are getting great performances in this moment, it might be worth sacrificing that sort just of, rolling with it yeah just yeah. rolling with that one line thing and you know like maybe you know creating an emotional map for that moment like that cliff might be in the in the sense that like the computer thing is not possible um even if i were to do it i might not get enough money that feels like enough of a transition to say besides i have a family to provide for the besides could almost be i gotta find something my, more my speed not mm-hmm. just I got to learn how to do computers or something. Yeah. You know, that right. it's all, it's a slightly different thought, but one that would still track in the, right. in that moment, you know? Um, sure. Sure. I don't know. Uh, it's definitely a weird bit of dialogue in it. And it, it almost reeks of cramming too much in to mm-hmm. a few short lines. Um, I, I also love mm-hmm. in the, in this scene, I just, I love the fact that like dinner's ready as Peter is getting off of school, which can't be any later than like four o'clock. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I just go, oh yes. The, the benefit of living with uh, senior, citizens senior citizens is that you yeah. have dinner at, <laughs> at, at four, o'clock. four o'clock. But then, Cause then they want to go to bed say, early. You did yeah. say though, that it, there was a previous taken out scene where he was leaving at night. In the in right, the that draft. was the original draft, though yeah. that wasn't the the shooting, the shooting draft. Trip. So there's a version of this of this story, a screenplay for this mm-hmm. movie that uh, is not really the movie we're seeing now. The, the original version that kept made when it was just like, here, right. turn the James Cameron stuff into a Spider-Man movie, go. And it's an interesting movie, but there's big departures here. I think one of the main ones. The, being, yeah, this yeah. this one yeah. this one isn't the James Cameron draft. The James Cameron draft was the draft before this. Oh, okay. Right. Okay, okay. The, so. This is the first David Kep draft because the James Cameron draft has uh, Sandman and Electro in it. Right. And then so, yeah. then he adjusted to his final, uh, the final draft that he was sole credited on because he is still right. sole screenplay credit on it. Right. Which right. has still does have major differences from the movie we're watching. So in that and, one, yeah. In, and in, in that and in that draft when uh-huh. the the field trip is over at night, when yeah. Peter comes home, first of all, Ben is watching professional professional wrestling where the <laughs> announcer is announcing three three thousand dollars, one thousand permitted in the ring, oh, payable only if you survive the full one hundred and eighty seconds. Wow. 
very stiff and he yes. says hey pete take a look at the act this joker cooked up calls himself bonesaw mcgraw um and then peter goes upstairs and aunt may says uh i saved a nice plate for you in the oven we had pot roast so they already ate so in yeah. that draft where he gets home at night they've already eaten so you know yeah. they They're apparently well, ate at four o'clock well also. past it yeah <laughs> yeah so in either I have to eat at five. <laughs> yeah, in either draft, uh, this is the benefit of living with seniors with citizens. old people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we gotta. <laughs> it makes your it makes your meal times very uh, very handy uh, for for coming home. Yeah, I it that is a bit clunkier of a construction with the um mm-hmm. with the the early wrestling. You know, okay, mm-hmm. I can see where that impulse comes from. Obviously, like. Let's set up as much as we can here and have it in a in a somewhat organic way. But it is just jarringly not Ben Parker domesticity <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah. The only bit that I really like in this draft of mm-hmm. this scene is after Peter goes upstairs, Aunt May says, is he all right? Does he have the flu? Mm-hmm. And Uncle Ben waves it off and says, he's 17. And Aunt May says, he's depressed. And he lo- he looks back at her and says, he's 17. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah I, I actually like that little exchange. Yeah, and I'm sure that little exchange still happened in the world of this movie. We just don't see it, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> that he's a teenager. They're going to they're gonna teenage. Um, right. Peter just leaves his bag at the right outside the door. I just, ah, oh. <laughs> it's so rude. That's what my brothers always did. My little just, brothers always did the same thing. Ugh. Little psychos. <laughs> I like I I guess my my thought. I mean, I it is it's a nice like little gesture to show that he's not feeling particularly well. That he's just like I'm out of it. I can't handle it. Sort of a Michael Sarah falling into the ground type of uh, yeah. But um, like he can't even be bothered to carry his <laughs> his hoodie and his uh, uh, and his backpack like upstairs. Upstairs. Yeah. yeah. Or, like I totally I don't know. I would have brought everything with me. I would have like stopped. Also, like he, he like just drops it real heavy on the ground. Isn't his camera in there? He's like <laughs> really <laughs> nice right. camera yeah. that he with all of his like uh, fancy pictures of that uh, red well, girl on it. Yeah. Unless. Well, I guess I guess he has a camera later on, but I mean, yeah. you could assume if it's for the school paper, it might not be his camera. Maybe it could and be also, like the school's did... camera, and he checked it out and brought it back when he got back to school. And... and I did make a fuss over the fact that he did not have a backpack at the field trip. So you know, well, may... well we we sort of established it's on the bus, that, like, probably. It's yeah, on maybe the bus. it's on the bus. Yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe the camera isn't in that bag because. The, the bus took them back to the school first or something and he returned right. it or and, and he just picked his bag up off the off the bus. Like there's been Very no possible. previous connection between this bag and the camera established so far because this whole time he had the camera. He had no bag. <laughs> right. <laughs> no previous connections between the camera and the back. Bag this is welcome to movies by minute. This is what happens. <laughs> Well, I'm just trying to track the progress of this bag, okay? He had, <laughs> he had no bag. Harry Osborne had a bag. His dad brought him a bag. There was a whole bit. They wouldn't have had their interaction if he didn't have a bag, but Peter had no bag. Now Peter's got a bag. We got to get to the bottom of this. This is ridiculous. Um, All right. Yep. More on that later. Of course. <laughs> 
we will have regular updates on the bag situation as we move forward. Yeah. Uh, we should make a Twitter um, account just for the bag situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, so, so yeah, so Peter says he's going straight to bed. Yes. Uh, and she's like, you're not going to have a bite. And he says that line of how, <laughs> like, I had a bite. And I just go, Peter, you're so lame. <laughs> that is the lamest thing you could say. Uh, but also, uh, like, no one else is going to, like, that's just a joke for himself. And he's yeah. like, he can't yeah. be feeling that bad if right. he's able he's to make a joke like that. <laughs> yeah. I love had a bite. Uh, uh, I don't. I also love how he doesn't even like even try to answer a little bit out of politeness when like his basically parents ask him how his day was. He's just like, uh, I'm not feeling well. I'm going to bed. Just, just bounces. Yeah. Just immediately. <laughs> but is invested uh, enough to make his own little joke about bites. So. Way to and go he asks. He asks. Yeah. Then yeah. asked, did you get some pictures? Which I I like because I I don't know. Like it it's it it establishes that like they talked about it this morning, that he was gonna go on the field trip and take pictures. Yeah. And I I it's such a hmm. it's such a like parental question where yeah. it's a little it's it they care, but it's also like slightly condescending because he's just yeah. like did you get some pictures like it's yeah like, like, i told you that's what i, I was going there to do was, like what are you the whole talking point. about <laughs> yeah but like you asked me a yes or no question about this like that's what, what am i supposed to build off of that that's not a yeah a conversation yeah. but is that level of like parental like oh we did you had a did the match go all right type of yeah you know. see i was yeah. i was i was i was uh paying attention this morning when you were talking yeah yeah you did that yeah. thing today didn't you yeah, yeah, no, I did it. Yep, definitely I did. did. <laughs> there's um, kind of no winning because if they don't do that, then it's like, oh, they don't care at all about anything. Yeah. So like, where's mm -hmm. where's the balance? <laughs> yeah. How do you be the not clueless parent? I don't. I don't know. That's a. Wow. Uh, that's a. Uh, it's probably well, just a shift in your mindset that happens when you have the kid. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Suddenly, <laughs> well, you just uh, completely dad joke everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that day. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, speaking of parents, yes. Um, so I, like I said at the beginning of this week, I just found the shooting draft. Yes. Um, so I didn't have it to reference when we were uh, talking about earlier minutes. Yeah. And so one of the things that I I noticed while going through this that I have to bring up here. Um, is that, uh, you know, one of the things that we had talked about that we were impressed with this movie doing is that it just presents Peter living with his aunt and uncle. And there is no explanation as to, uh, what happened to his parents. So in the shooting draft, however, mm -hmm. during the conversation where, uh, Norman meets, uh, Peter, there's that bit that we talked about where he says, you know, your parents must be proud. And yeah. he says, I live with my aunt and uncle. They are proud. There was a, there was more, um, there's a little there. bit more there. There was more oh, stuff okay. there where Osborne says, what about your folks? And Peter says, my parents died when I was little. And Osborne says, I lost my parents as a young boy as well. Huh. So... Yeah, there was a little a little bit more. And it was this thing that sort of like like tied Norman and Peter together as like yeah. this surrogate 
parent son relationship that Harry feels a little left out of. Um, Yeah. But then also, and here's the, this is the really interesting thing. Okay. The beginning of the movie starts on a black screen with Spider-Man voiceover. Who am I? You sure you want to know the story of my life is not for the faint of heart opens on the Parker house, 1987. Oh my gosh. A cab pulls up to a, to a house in Queens Spider-Man says, if somebody said it was a happy little tale, if somebody told you I was just your average ordinary guy, not a care in the world, a social worker gets out holding the hand of Peter Parker, age four, tears streaming down his face. He lugs a small suitcase along with him as the cab drives away. And we see Peter uh, knocking on the door of his new home where he is hugged by his Aunt May and Uncle Ben. Um, and they go inside, the door closes, and the voiceover says, somebody lied. Whoa. And then you cut to the school bus, as is in the movie. As is in the movie. Oh, wow. Like, I'm kind of glad they didn't use that. Oh, yeah. 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 It seems but really it does, a series of unfortunate events. It does. You're right. <laughs> but but at the same time, it makes the voiceover make more sense than yeah. what it yeah. does the, the in the current of movie. The words, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I was, I was when I rewatched the whole movie and the voiceover came on, which I'd completely forgotten about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did have to laugh a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm it like, a- wow, you are so extra, Pete Parker. Like, they, yeah. what do you? They swoop through that tone. It's very yeah, melodramatic. Yeah, very oh, yeah. melodramatic. Like Kubo, oh, yeah. except like less. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. It's pretty much I, the exact same speech as in Kubo. Isn't? Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you blink, do it now. Do it now. Yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate it, and, and which we talked on when we did have that minute. I I think it is a much, uh, more, defensible choice to not make a big deal of it. To just like mm-hmm. I live with my aunt and uncle, they they are very proud. We put it we put it to bed there like yeah. that. I I love that so much, and it and that carries over to the way this scene is structured, where it's just him coming home, and this is where he mm-hmm. is, and like it, it's not Peter Parker's story is not about him being an orphan. It's not about him being chosen or anything like that. He's just. A kid who was in the wrong place at the right time and got bitten and had something he didn't ask for, and now he has to deal with the responsibility of it because we all have to deal with the responsibility of things we didn't ask for. Like that mm-hmm. is cleaner that way to me rather than like let's start with the tragedy of my parents, you know, or let's mm-hmm. let's uh, sit on that a bit a bit more. I I I don't think it's a it's a ill-advised move to try to like make a deeper connection between Norman and Harry that um, Norman and Peter there at the beginning, but mm-hmm. it, it, I don't think it's worth compromising well, that. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think it's necessary because I, I think that hmm. him being the son that he wishes Harry was is enough. Hmm. Yeah. Like you don't need them to have any sort of deeper connection because in fact, I think it being sort of a shallow connection is actually more well suited for the story they're trying to tell yeah yeah absolutely you know it's like it would be it's not he doesn't he's not supposed to have a uh kirk connor's relationship yeah yeah with with norman It, it is just supposed to be about more of like a wish fulfillment 
kind of idea of like, oh, yeah. what if I had a dad that was like a really famous scientist? And oh, what if I had a son that I could be proud of that was smart and liked the things that I like? Right. I, I think that's enough. I think that's yeah. all you need. And that they have their their parallel journeys, which is reflected in the way that they differently structured, like that we're having the Norman introduction of of his uh, sort of uh, origin at the same time we're having the Peters, you know, biting thing that we're mm-hmm. we're we're putting them on parallel pathways instead of literally the same pathway, you know, like that we didn't we didn't say like, oh look at we here's this moment we both came from orphan or whatever that we just have these separate tracks. Like, mm-hmm. as, I don't know, like that dark Doc and Marty would draw like uh, right. timelines, you know, on like that. And then they'll run into each other later, later but they don't start from that same um, impulse. I, right. it, the, sh- the shallowness is in service of the theme, but a bit better. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. we, we never find out about Peter's parents in this universe, right? No. No, not in the rain. It's just left a left a mystery, which I yeah, yeah, I like that. I I like that because you know what? It's it's truer to the the comics of the period that he's trying to live up to. Because you know you don't find anything out about his parents until like the seventies or eighties. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just just roll with it. That's enough. You don't need anything else. He's Peter Parker. He's a dweeb. He lives with his aunt and uncle. He got bit by a spider. And there we are. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so I think that's all we got for this minute. If you want to, if you want to hear another side of Naomi, um, <laughs> you know, if you want, if you want to hear her, like have a motor mouth and a Scottish accent, uh, you're going to want to check out geek by night. Uh, the original podcast series that I created and executive produced with Nick Jimenez, our mm-hmm. guest last week. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a show that is, uh, you know, inspired in equal parts, inspired by Buffy, the vampire slayer and these movies. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so if you can combine those two things in your brain, that's basically what geek by night is. Yeah. Uh, so, so go check that out. Um, if you're looking for a new, uh, podcast and you can hear, uh, Naomi just be amazing in that she show, is so. she is one of my absolute favorite parts of the show i, I look forward every single time mm-hmm. to like what is lorelei gonna do in this mm-hmm. <laughs> in this episode award um, nominated award nominated uh performance Best believe i put that on my resume <laughs> yeah as well you should yeah you were yeah. award nominated like a, a finalist up against a previous doctor who companion and felicia day yeah like, and just like two other people. It was like the five of them. Yeah. <laughs> and Naomi was one of those five. That is nuts. It's so, amazing. Yeah. Own that's that. enough. That That's yeah. all you need to know to go check out Geek by Night. Just exactly. go check it out for her. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 So uh, so go check that out. And uh, we will be back tomorrow with Minute 15. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.